And now, coming to you live from the Gershon Room, high above the Coot Street Motel 6, it's Jonathan Strahan and Gary K. Wolf, the very special, the multiple award-winning and nominated author and editor, Ogana Chovwayak Pecky, on the Coot Street Podcast! And welcome to the podcast. Uh, I've, I'm going to call you Donald because it's uh, much easier for those of us in the States. Um, but I wanted to offer my congratulations on this year's Otherwise Award, otherwise known as the Tiptree Award, and, uh, and I think multiple nominations. Uh, for that novella, as well as um, I think the BSFA award for your Dominion anthology. Yes. So you yeah. you you're having a very good year. Yeah, you could say that. Thank you. Well, I mean, actually, to, to dive right into the deep end, when I look at at least from here at the bibliography that we see, it really seems like you're really early in your career. You've only just started to make a a, a name for yourself outside of uh, Africa. Tell us about how you got started and uh, what you've been doing. Okay. Um... Do you mean how I got started with the current phase of my career or how I got started with speculative fiction as a whole? You know, there's the long story and the short story. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm curious as well because the long story is one that is not one that's widely known to us. But I mean, the first real record I see of you at our end, you know, outside of Africa, is with the publication of The Witching Hour back about three years ago. So I don't know how that yes. me- melds in with things. Yeah, that's the short story. I mean, ah. it's literally a short story and uh, the short version of my story, you know. So, um, actually, uh, it seems like I'm early to the genre, to the industry, but the truth is I've spent all my life in speculative fiction. Uh, I've been reading speculative fiction since I was a child. I mean, we grew up next to the library, the state library. So um, there was C.S. Lewis and a bunch of um, library books. My parents usually dropped us there. Uh, so basically, <laughs> we were weaned on books and the library was our babysitter. And from there, I moved on to secondhand fancy books, which we would purchase in, um, you know, uh, fairly used um, bookstores. So I've basically been reading science fiction fantasy all my life, from Todd Williams to Anne Rice, Margaret Ways, and Tracy Hickman. Uh, yeah, you know, all the old Piaz Anthony, you know. So, but uh, writing fantasy was not, wasn't really a reality, wasn't really a possibility until very recently, you know, with the advent of um, magazines, the internet, you know, you know, so yeah. It's like I say, speculative fiction isn't local, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. international and it's specifically based in the U.S., you know, because that's where the conventions hold. That's where the big publishers are, you know, that's where most of their headquarters are domiciled in the U.K. or in the U.S. So, yeah, it's um, so w- without the Internet, most of the places in the world where, you know, it, it, they were basically cut off, you know. Without me being able to send my short fiction to, say, Strange Horizons or Cosmic Roots and Auditions, there's practically no way for me to participate or be a part of the industry, you know. So, yeah. And, and then, I, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. This is something I've heard from a number of people that, uh, that essentially online publication opened uh, the world of science fiction and fantasy magazines to the entire world, whereas... Previously, you're correct. You would have had to mail a manuscript uh, to, to New York to even have it considered. Uh, so, so this must have really been liberating for you as a young writer. Yes, as a matter of fact, it made it made being a writer possible for the first time. You know, it, it's a, it's a combination of um, not just um, not just um, the the existence of um, online magazines, but also our own personal access. You know, as mm-hmm. at when the internet became um, accessible or possible to people in this climb, you know, which was very recently. It, it wasn't always affordable. And then when it was affordable, it wasn't always within reach, you know, mm-hmm. for certain people. So you had to grow into a place where you were earning solidly. You were well-to-do. So it, it, even, even having access, which came late, depended on further economic um, growth or you know, yeah, uh, yeah, earning power on your part for the part of. I guess my question, my next question in terms of getting toward uh, your new anthology, The Year's Best African Speculative Fiction, is when in all this as, a, as an aspiring writer and a young reader, how did you become aware 
of African science fiction, of other African science fiction, since obviously most of the magazines you were talking about, most of the books would have been British or American. Or um, were you okay. aware of other African? Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not exactly a case of when did I become aware, but more a case of when did when when did we when did we begin to build it. You know, because these things haven't always been there, you know. Uh-huh. They had to be there's the African Speculative Fiction Society, there's um you know, there's the No More Award, which is the no first Pan African uh-huh. Speculative Fiction Award. I mean the Year's Best Anthology, which I'm editing, is the very first ever Year's Best Anthology African Speculative Fiction Anthology. Whereas there's been Year's Best Anthologies for decades, mm-hmm. you know. So basically, it's it's not exactly a case of when did I become aware because these things haven't always been there. It's a case of when did we begin to build them. You know, someone uh-huh. had to build all these things, and uh, they sort of sprung up right, you know, in front of us. So they they weren't always there, and that was so, rather recent. Yeah. Last half. I, I guess it's always very difficult to simplify something as complicated and uh, complex as Africa down to anything when it's more than 50 separate nation states and an enormous population. But I mean, from is there much of a domestic publishing scene there for speculative fiction? Or uh, is it something that is largely found, I guess, by you know, get going overseas and publishing the way that you're talking about? Okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to um, diverge into a bit of um, history now. Africa is um, is a young continent, if I say, in, in terms of development. You know, a lot a lot of you, you talk about Africa is diverse. That's true, but in a, in a lot of ways, you know, it's all it's all similar. You know, in terms of um, economic conditions. You know, mm. Africa has been known by a lot of names: the third world, you know, developing countries, and you know, there's a reason why economics, uh, politics, a lot of countries only recently got their independence. So, yeah, I, I won't say publishing is exactly, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not exactly a booming industry, you know, because a lot of industries are still trying to find their feet. Mm-hmm. So, no, uh, no, publishing, speculative fiction or otherwise, it's not, it's not a widely industry. So, okay. Yeah. Well, how, before we get to the year's best African speculative fiction, which is the core of what we're going to talk about, I guess, uh, the first thing that comes when, when it comes to you is Dominion, the anthology of speculative fiction from Africa and the African diaspora, which you did with Zelda K. Knight. And I guess my question yes. is, how did you come to be doing that? And what was your thinking behind the book? Okay. Okay. Well, it was essentially um, Zelda's idea. It was around the period of... Um, um, the uh, anniversary of um, the end of slavery. So mm-hmm. she wanted to do a project that, um, you know, a project that touched on uh, you know, African and uh, diasporan, you know, writing. So that was, that was the idea behind the medium. And uh, I had submitted my short story, Ifeyoku, the novella, the award-winning novella. It was a short story at the time. I submitted mm-hmm. it to her. It was part of the inspiration for the anthology. So she tapped me and asked if I was interested in being a part of either editing or contributing to the anthology. And I said I would like to both edit and contribute because myself, I was on the, you know, we're just having, um, I, I was just getting newfound access to the community, the speculative fiction community, uh, magazines, editors, publishing. So it was like a new world opening to me, you know, so I was um, kind of eager to get on board and see what we with it. And were you surprised by the reception to the book? Yes, I was uh, definitely surprised. I was definitely surprised. Uh, yeah, I was. Because, I mean, it really has, I mean, stepping out of the African context for a minute, it, I mean, you said earlier, and I think you're correct, that the primary public, the primary market for commercial science fiction and fantasy, for speculative fiction, is North America and the UK. And there's a real hunger, I think, and I'd be interested to see whether you disagree, in North America particularly for more diverse voices, for African voices, for voices from the African diaspora. And so it seems like this is also happens at the time that the time at which you and 
Zelda have done this book happens to coincide when there's a quite an active interest in it. And that's led to that reception to the many award nominations and all that kind of stuff for it. Does it, sorry to put out a question there. Does it feel to you like there is more, there is real interest right now or it's still less developed than that? Okay. Uh, 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 well, it, I would say yes and no. Uh, it's both of them. There is, um, there's renewed, there's, there's interest right now, but it's not as much as people think because, um, I, I, I don't want to be immodest, but I'm going to say that, um, the success or the impact of Dominion, it's, it's not, it's not, um, due entirely, you know, the industry and, um, its newfound openness and, um, embracing mm-hmm. diversity, not entirely it required a bit of an aggressive, um, you know, push on our part because uh, there were a number of publications that were springing up that period a lot of them even from uh, you know bigger publications um you know that had bigger budgets which didn't get the reception that we got so that were doing essentially the same thing so it wasn't entirely because the the industry decided to be benevolent and you know it's that would be removing from the humongous amount of work and, you know, back-breaking effort that went into putting out the media. It must be frustrating a little bit um, discovering to become part of this community that, that both Dominion and your New Year's Best are coming out in a period when you can't really travel to conventions, you can't really meet anybody. Uh, the BSFA Award, I think, I don't know if it was virtual or not this year, but have you had... Uh, much opportunity to uh, to actually interact with other writers and readers uh, uh, that are represented in either of these anthologies, or has it all been virtual the last couple of years like it has been for the rest of us? Yeah, well, uh, it's a bit complicated. Um, you see, the, the thing is, yeah, it's all been virtual, but uh, in as much as virtual is the less um, is, is the less um, appealing method to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. you know, for people from our climb, it's, it's actually the more advantageous. It's the only way for us to reach out. You know, uh-huh. it's it's like it's like we're talking about um, um, speculative fiction being centered around you know U.S. the West. You know, it's it's not because the West has a special or um, stronger appreciation of speculative fiction. It's because there are certain tools, there are certain um, um, the structures, you know, are centered around the West, you know, publishing mm-hmm. companies, you know, and where there's no way to create successfully and end from art, then there's no point doing it. You know, so that's that's why uh, speculative fiction coming from the continent to the global scene has been sort of sparse. So there was no way for us to connect physically. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not going to be able to afford to travel. I don't think anybody is going to be able. It's only going to be a very tiny percentage, the most privileged of the privileged who can afford to travel from the U.S. to attend the convention you know, or be part of the speculative fiction community, international aspect, yeah. And it's the same thing with publishing. Before you get to the place where you publish a book, you know, there's a whole lot of back and forth that goes in, you know, getting feedback, editing, you know, getting an agent, you know, writing. And and there's no way for us to get physical access to this, you know, process. Right. So, yeah, um, virtual is actually sort of our only uh, connection to the speculative fiction yeah. community, as you can see, considering internet service quality. Yeah. But I guess I was going to ask about that because I've noticed that you've been very active in things like, I guess it was FutureCon and a number of other events. And, you know, you talk about the enormous amount, and I can absolutely believe there's an enormous amount of work getting attention for something like Dominion. Because uh, I know it's coming out from a smaller publisher, and so they don't have a large budget and all that kind of stuff. How I mean, has in a, in a way the the shutdown from the pandemic opened doors rather than closed them for people outside of uh well North America and the UK? Do you think? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was touching on. It's um the the acceptable you know way of um, 
gathering and then communing in the community was physical, which was totally non-existent for people like us, you know. So, yeah, the, the lockdown um, alternatives that sprang up sort of made it possible for the rest of us to be part of, you know. And, and um, you see, that's, that's the thing with, um, when I was talking about the reception that Dominion got being due more to, you know, an aggressive um, system of campaigning, you know. It's sort of like, uh, it's kind of like how we, the drowning man gasps for air. You know, this, when when they you know, break through the waves, you know, I've I've been consuming speculative fiction all my life, without ever thinking that I would ever have the opportunity to be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I said when I find out that I can't be part of the community, there's there's all the decades, you know, worth of um of activities that I'm trying to catch up to now. So, you know, I'm 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 sort of um, eager, you know, in a way that is, um, you know, that is very strong to catch up. It's the same thing with um, conventions. I didn't get the chance and probably would not have gotten the chance for most of my life to be part of a convention until COVID-19 and the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have a lot of catching up. To it. So I'm, I'm coming at it with um, the kind of... Um, energy that um you know the regular person wouldn't must out i think since the world con the first world con in um 2020 that was last year yeah i i might have been on going on a hundred panels and i'm not kidding yeah i've been on every single convention panel that i've been invited to several of them as a matter of fact so uh yeah i might have sat in as many as a hundred panels since last year you know so it's it's sort of i'm just trying to explain the 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 the, the eagerness you know that you know you approach something with that not had access to and did not expect that you would have access to for most of your life well it must On be the other hand you Oh, go ahead, John. So I was going to say, it must be as someone who has read science, speculative fiction your whole life, as someone who's wanted to be part of the speculative fiction community for a portion of your life and feeling that that was not possibly, possibly, you know, even remotely likely, that now you're in a situation where within 12 months, 18 months, you've had books out in the United States, you've been nominated for or and won awards that are right in the very heart of the field, that from... Our perspective, you look like a very loud voice coming out of Africa, not someone who's hardly known. I mean, for the Sturgeon Memorial, the otherwise, the British Science Fiction, the British Fantasy, and the Nebula Award. Those are the heart of the field. That must be a, a very surreal kind of thing. Yeah, it is. But um, at the same time, um, sort of not having time to enjoy it, you see, because mm-hmm. like I said, I've been shut off for the rest of my life. So it might seem like I'm moving very fast, but the truth is, it's all pent-up energy, you know. So I might be moving fast, but I've also been missing out for most of my life, you know. So it, it, there's there's this very strong to catch up to everything that I've been caught out of, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot. I'm doing a lot, but there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to catch up, you know. So there's not really, uh, yeah, as much time to catch up and enjoy it and savor it as as I would like, you know, all, all things being equal, I'd like to stretch this out, you know, over, you know, the decade or so. I'm curious as to, uh, as you, you're right, the virtuality has made, uh, has made conventions available to everybody, but you're also living in one of the world's great metropolises. I wonder, has there been any effort to organize a science fiction convention uh, in, in, in Lagos or in, 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 in anywhere in Africa? Okay. Uh, the, the question is, um, it's, I'm going to have to take it and, um, approach it, turn it around and approach it from, you see, when you say we're living in, um, a great metropolis, uh, that's, that's, that's from a certain angle, but it's also, it's also not true from another angle. You know, mm-hmm. when we talk about, yeah, inclusion due to the internet and um, the virtual um, ways of organizing things, it's still a bit of a problem because 
just 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 the just the economic aspect of it, you know. Yeah. Internet isn't this is this is this this is um the developing part of the world, as they say. You know, there's still a lot of infrastructure that just isn't there. And um mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's still a bit difficult, even though it's possible to connect with all these events. Uh internet is expensive, it's not great, there's fluctuating right. power. Which is never constant. There's, you know, so it's it's uh it's 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 not that things have become easy, you know. It's that they've become possible, you know, and it's still a huge struggle. So, in as much as we're trying to be part of all the spaces that we've been locked out of, it's still a huge amount of effort to connect. So we're we're still moving a bit slower than we should. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but but on the on the aspect of the conventions, yeah, we we do a number of um, yeah we do a number of meetings virtually, you know, but nothing on um, as far as speculative fiction is concerned. Anyway, although although I'm trying to organize a segment of the WorldCon, uh, sort yeah. of like a fringe event, so I'm I'm currently um, communicating with um, the WorldCon. Uh, chair and program organizers. I'm trying to do a segment like a fringe event that focuses on um, on the issues pertinent to writers on the African continent. So I guess you could consider that as a as a, a mini convention, so to speak. And we'll be presenting the normal awards at that event too, at Worldcon in December. Excellent. Uh, I, I guess that's as well. I mean, one of the little hints. Hence, one of the things I've experienced as an editor myself doing anthologies is it's, and it's an, perhaps a, a slight symptom of what you're talking about, this, this, uh, fact that, it, that, you know, these are developing countries, that infrastructure isn't there, is that something that would seem as simple as paying an, a writer in Africa is complicated. I mean, it's difficult for you to get paid fairly, but also to get paid, it seems, that those systems aren't as mature as we might expect them to be at my fault. We can't just PayPal you and have it work. Yeah. And I mean, that's a critical thing if this is all going to work out. One question, listening to all this and talking about the conventions, everything else that I wanted to touch on before we get into the book and we go on a minute, is mm. the way you've primarily come into the field that we've seen is an anthologist bringing other writers with you. How important is it to you to bring other African writers into the field with you as you come in? Okay. I mean, that's the, for me, that's the entire point of the thing. I've been locked out. I've been feeling like I've been locked out for most of my, you know, life. And mm-hmm. I definitely am not, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of other amazing works, writers, people, artists that have been feeling the same way. So, and, um, you know, I, I, I've had the opportunity to have access to a certain number of people who have facilitated, you know, my speculative fiction journey. So it, it would be, um, it wouldn't be good if I, you know, if, if I kept that access to myself. So I've tried as much as possible to bring as many people with me on the journey. So, uh, that's, that's the point of the anthologies, you know, instead of focusing on my own work. You know, to try to see how much of um, local community we can build. You know, I mean, it's not as if I keep started work. There's a, it's, there was an amazing amount of work already being done. You know, the Moa Award, which was um, established by a number of people, Jeff Ryman, um, Taddy Thompson, Sui, mm-hmm. a number of other you know, people on the continent, there's the African Speculative Fiction Society. So or what I'm doing is basically just contributing my bit to the work that's on ground, you know, because it's, you know, the work that's been done already has benefited me. So it's only fair that I contribute my efforts, you know, to the general pool. Well, that's, uh, one of the things that fascinates me about anthologies is that I've always felt that an anthology is an implicit argument. It's it, it's saying what should be included, what should be excluded is the obvious argument. But in um, in Dominion, for example, there actually is a subtitle that specifies speculative fiction from both Africa and the African diaspora. And speculative fiction 
is also uh, the title of your year's best. So does, by speculative fiction, it's, are you including all of science fiction, fantasy, horror, and a lot of kind of folklore-based fiction that some people call magic realism? Do you have a definition, an idea of speculative fiction in mind? when you put together yes. these anthologies. Yeah, speculative fiction is uh, it's an umbrella term. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, especially how I mean it. It's meant to be all-embracing of all the genres and sub-genres of, um, you mm -hmm. know, uh, yeah, science fiction, fantasy, horror, slipstream, magic realism, you know, whatever you can call it. So because um, at this point, I don't think that industries it's over here is built enough for you to splinter you know these forms into segments mm -hmm. i think that if you were to do that you know you, you might not get yeah enough to fill one segment so it's, it's an it's an inclusive um, umbrella term that embraces all the forms and styles i, I guess i'm curious with the year's best african speculative fiction uh about it i mean when did that, when did you decide you were going to edit the book? And what, I mean, what was the, the, the feeling behind it? I mean, Year's Best or a particular form of a book, but what was it that made you decide to do this? Okay. Uh, it was shortly after the, um, the reception we got from Dominion. I looked at it and said, well, it's, uh, it's been, um, it's been, it's been reasonable. It's been a bit so. I wanted to use the momentum to try to build something else. And something that I noticed while, because we had a lot of reprints in Dominion, and um, I, I realized it's, it's like we say the industry is, uh, is Western-based. There's a lot of work that gets overlooked. There's a lot of work that uh, doesn't get African speculative fiction work. I don't get as much attention as you know, they should. You know, and um, I think that that's the purpose of Year's Best Anthologies to draw attention to deserving works, you know, that were published, you know, the year before. So I, I felt like with the with the Western centric um, way that the industry is, uh, it would it would chaos to have something that you know sort of draws attention to um, deserving. African sure. speculative fiction works in the way well, that Yes Best Anthologies are supposed to. Well, yeah, I mean, when I look at the book, it looks to me like a book that is aimed out at science fiction itself. I mean, here are 29 stories, I think it is, by 25 writers. They're published largely in the online and in North American markets originally. And it seems to have, you know, like there's a fair number of writers who are diaspora, from the diaspora, as well as writers who are from within parts of Africa. And it seems like Rather than defining right now what's happening, because it seems to me, and please correct me if you think I'm wrong, that in the space of African speculative fiction, talking about Afrofuturism, African futurism, all these other things are a big thing, but there's still this need to begin to form it all up into a shape for readers to be aware of. And a book like this does that, I, I think. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the hope. That's the, yeah. I mean, how important is it, for example, to include diaspora writers in amongst African writers? Is there any desire to do a book of purely writers from Africa? Well, uh, that's, um, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that's come up. It's a thing that I've, um, that I've um, considered, you know. But um, I just decided to have a more inclusive, you know, to have a more, you know, embracing, um, yeah, you know, because, you know, it's, um, I don't know, I just, I just, I just tilted to a more um, embracing or open um, strategy or attitude because, um, you know, it, it, it takes, um, it takes a, it takes a lot of people to build a community, you know, and, um, a lot of the people required in building the community, are um, not just based in Africa, you know, Africa and the diaspora are connected in a lot of ways. So, sure. Yeah. 
that's yeah. Well, I, I guess the cor- the flow on for that then is, and this is I have to say, as an Australian who's worked on the year's best Australian science fiction and fantasy, uh, uh, you know, when I started my career, uh, a question I would get asked is, uh, what is an what is Australian about the science fiction you have? And I'm curious, as you read in the field the way you do, do you get a sense of both in an inclusive, including in the diaspora and not, an Africanness, if you like, to the speculative fiction. I mean, Gary was asking about what you mean by speculative fiction. But in this instance with your book, is there something you feel that makes the speculative fiction itself African? Well, for me, I tend to focus more on um, the practitioners of the arts. You know, if you're, you know, it's like the example you give. If you're Australian, you know, then your your speculative fiction, in my opinion, is Australian. You know, because your your identity is not separate from your work and cannot be separated from your work. If an African is writing about America and an American is writing about America, there's going to be a difference. You know, so if if an African were writing about America, in my opinion, it would still be African literature because you cannot you, you know you cannot separate that identity from the person you know your your identity is in your language it's in your expression it's in a whole lot of things about you you know it's uh it's something that um sui has talked about a lot you know bits of language scattered in your expression bits of bits of your identity rather it's why um it's why woman's writing you know might be different from you know, a man's or, you know, your, your, your experiences and your culture, you know, this, this sort of shape your worldview, it shapes your perspective and it shows in your work. So basically what I look for is, uh, it's in the person, you know, this is a discussion that has come up a number of times where people talk about, um, how do you center African writing, African fiction? And I believe that you, you can't center African speculative fiction without centering the people itself, you know, the practitioners. And that involves both people in the diaspora, people on the continent. So, yeah, I tend to try to make my all my projects inclusive, you know, so that we can get all these different bits of um, Africa, you know. Well, that's essentially what I meant uh, when I said that, that any anthology is an argument that... Uh, that you're, you're, you're basically presenting a dialogue and you're presenting it in such a way that, that, that authors uh, that we think of as American authors, Cherie Thomas, for example, that her work is in dialogue with, with your work or with the work of um, writers from uh, Zimbabwe and so forth and so on, um, which I think is a, is, is a constructive and healthy attitude. But there's also a debate that's been going on in the States uh, between what uh, what for decades has been called Afrofuturism and what uh, Nnedi Okorafor in particular calls African futurism. And her argument is that these are two very distinct things. Okay. And I was wondering well, if, from your perspective, I, I, I guess, oh, and, and Nnedi has a third term, which is African jujuism for a kind of fantasy. So I was just wondering what your reaction, your perspective is to to that kind of breakdown. Okay. Well, I've been asked this question a couple of times. I think mo- mo- most recently in the um, Second Life um, book club. Uh-huh. And my response then was, uh, it doesn't matter what you call the thing. And I'm not trying to be flippant because uh-huh. I'm not trying to be dismissive. You know? That would be rude. And uh, you see, labels are important. Names are important. Titles are mm. important. But I believe that they are secondary. You know, there's a hierarchy of how things are supposed to be or how they are supposed to come. And I believe mm-hmm. that titles, labels, introductions, they are secondary to the creation mm-hmm. and the existence of the thing itself. You know, if I were if I were busy naming my child too busy to prepare, you know, for the birth or the existence of that child, itself, it would be irresponsible of me, you know, or at least at the very least it would show that i don't have my priorities i don't have i'm not in touch with you know the reality of that child and you know speculative fiction is our child as creators so Mm -hmm. you know we live in a in a a time where creation is still is still young and vulnerable and it's it's not 
not fully alive. It hasn't fully been born yet. So I tend not to focus on the labels themselves or, Mm -hmm. you know, discussion of what is, but to try to focus on the actual creation process itself. You know, it's like, um, a lot of people would argue that, oh, it's African, African speculative fiction is there. It's alive. It's existing. It has, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a complex. It's not that simple. No. If we were to, if we were to look at the industry, how many African speculative fiction writers have been published by the big five or their imprints? If we're going to talk about people on the continent, maybe none. Maybe, you know, just me with my, project coming out on tour uh next year i'll possibly not possibly i'll definitely be the only speculative fiction writer on the continent you know that's a tour author or editor you know so there, there's a lot that isn't happening you know so when we focus on uh, on all these uh you know labels titles introductions it mm-hmm. sort of tracks from creation process itself that's what i mean when i say i don't care what you call it right now I, it's, it's like it's like asking it's like asking a person in labor what you want to call your child you know i mean mm-hmm. it, it's this is labor we're trying to give birth to something i don't think you know let, let's talk about um afrofuturism it's yeah. it's, it's it's booming it's well developed but what what helped Af- Afrofuturism develop? Was it the, was it the title? Was it the name? You know, because things exist separate or irrespective of what you call them. Afrofuturism yeah. was Afrofuturism. It existed before the coin the name, before the labels, before the debates. Mm-hmm. People created works of Afrofuturism, had the chance to publish them, had the chance to make movies, had the chance to be paid, had the chance to get to have agents. That's what be the Afrofuturism, you know, industry. And the African futurism industry isn't going to be built by debates. It's not going to be built by introductions and essays. True. It's going to have to on ground work. Writers are going to have to publish. They're going to have to be paid. They're going to have to be on big five, you know, you know, companies. They're going to have to have these made from their works and TV shows, you know, that's the, so I would much rather focus on, you know, for me, it's a question of who, who is publishing, who is paying, who is plugging, who is now boosting, who's war. Yeah, the question I would, I, I would add to you is who is reading this? Because when uh, both of you are mentioning, for example, the best Australian science fiction, I always assumed that when that book came out, uh, there would be two audiences. One, those of us like myself in the States who want to know something about what's going on in Australia, and then Australian readers uh, who take some pride in having a book like this. My question is, what is the readership in, and again, I don't want to talk about Africa, but let's say in in, uh, in Nigeria alone, uh, do, you, do you sense that there's a science fiction readership that is now really getting some pleasure from the fact that there are authors that that they can read from their own country or their own continent what's the readership like in africa uh, well uh readership has always been um there's always been a thing you know like it's like I, I told you even when um you know within even when there was not an industry that was publishing african speculative fiction works there were still mm-hmm. speculative fiction works being consumed on the inter- on on the continent it's just that we're consuming the works of you know um yeah we're reading stephen king we're reading jrr martin we're reading mm-hmm. tolkien we're reading you know so it's now there's a shift there's a switch you know i, I haven't i confess i haven't read um i don't read as much western authors as i used to mm-hmm. since i've been exposed to just become aware of um you know more diverse um works you know so it's it's and I, it's the same thing generally there's a whole lot of people that are having to shift their um reading culture you know to so yeah there's there's definitely a readership on the continent that is gradually shifting to meet up with the new um, works that are valuable now. And, and does that hopefully 
translate into sales for African writers, or it's still too early to really see that happening? Well, you can you can notice um, there's a bit of a shift in sales, but uh, I would say that the the larger speculative fiction community hasn't embraced um, African speculative fiction as well as it should, you know. Because um, if you if you're looking at the writers who are on the top of um, best-selling lists, it, it's definitely it's not yeah it's it, the change is gradual. I'll just say it's not yet where it should be. So yeah. Well, another another aspect of this, which I've heard in talking to people from uh, from India or Korea or or, or 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 China or Japan, is that the, there is a literary establishment in, in just virtually every nation. And almost without exception, writers tell me that science fiction, fantasy, horror are characteristically excluded from the literary world. Is that the case uh, as well in Nigeria? That there's a literary standard here and here's all those horror stories and science fiction stories down here somewhere. Yes. I think that that is uh, universal. I mean, oh, yeah. I would say that, yeah, it's, I think it's universal. The literary fiction, genre fiction snob, yeah. I, I mean, I've been on practically every important um, speculative fiction convention, you know, yeah, you know, from the World Con to Firecon, uh, World Fantasy Convention. I mean, you can mention it. I've even been paid in a number of uh, these conventions, but. So far, I haven't managed to be invited to a single convention. I haven't been on a single panel on the continent, you know, because yes, there's, um, there's priority on literary fiction, which I don't write, mm. and which is considered, the, you know, the standard, the serious kind of literature. So yeah, that's a, that's definitely a universal thing. I mean, even within family, you're not considered that much of a serious writer if you're not writing, if you're writing genre or speculative fiction. Is it your feeling that, and this maybe in my mind ties into what you're saying about African speculative fiction very much being in a fragile state and being in that almost feeling of being born, uh, that the best tactic in a way for an African speculative fiction writer to get prominence there is to sell outside the country and then come back in, or sell to Hong So it's like sell to North America, be successful there, and have the books, the, the work come back to the attention uh, on the continent. Does that feel like the better strategy almost? It, it's not exactly like it's a better strategy. It's more like it's the only strategy. You know, now I'd like to ask, where is uh, it's, it's it's like I said, speculative fiction isn't local. Where are the publishing companies? Where are they doing? Where, where are they doing this out? Where are their headquarters? You know, a lot of these companies. The last, you know, the, the last all the conventions that have been done in the last several decades. Where have they been done? How many of them have been done? So it's it's not exactly as if you know there's no desire to cause for for speculative fiction to be based locally. Is that the it, it, the, the structure hasn't been built? Not, it's not really prominent in all these places. So it's, it's not that we want to come to the West or sell to the West and go back home. It's that we have to sell to the West. It's that we, you know, it's, it's that that's where it's at. One question I do want to ask about the US Best African Speculative Fiction. You and I had been in touch on social media and you said you had reasons for not wanting to write an introduction and you've made those clear. But you also made what I think is a pretty powerful decision in many ways. Uh, arguably the most lauded African speculative fiction story of 2020, which could have been in your book, is your own novella, Ifeoyoku. So what was the thinking yeah. of not including that? It must have been a difficult decision. No, not really. Not really. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I don't know, maybe it's because of my work, but I would disagree I, there's a lot. There's a lot more amazing works out there that um, I would rather include. Maybe it's because I'm too close to my work, so I have a bit less appreciation for it than I should. As a matter of fact, a lot of the reception surprised me. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, the, the, the British Fantasy Awards, you know, they reached out to us before the announcement to ask if we'd like to do the speech. And I declined because I honestly did not think that we would win. You know, and it's like that for my story. A lot of the awards, you know, they, were, they came as a surprise because I really did not think. I was just focused on creating, you know, and putting out something. And I feel that there's a lot, there's a lot of amazing content. I don't think I'm special at all. I don't think I'm amazing. I don't think, and this isn't me being humble. This is me being sincere. There's a lot of amazing work out there. There's a lot of. But if I can argue with you for a minute, I mean, this is a story that's works out there. But but if I can argue with you for a moment though, uh, I mean, the story's up for the Sturgeon Memorial Award. It's up for the British Science Fiction Award. It's up for the Nebula Award. It wins the Otherwise Award. I mean, this is a lot of affirmation that other people think the story is pretty strong. Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, it, it will be the most awarded novella by an African writer on the continent right now. But yeah, I feel like it's just the fact that it, it's, it's the story that was seen. You know, I don't think it's the most amazing. I think it's just the most amazing that was seen. You know, so it's about, for me, it's about, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that I'm the most amazing writer because I don't think I am. I just think that I was, you know, there's, there's, it's like I told you earlier, there's a lot of work that went into Dominion. You know, I told, I said earlier, I've been on as many as a hundred panels, a hundred, you know, you, you know, that's, that's, it's a lot. I ensure that, or I try to make sure that I was seen. You know, so, and which, which, which is, um, I believe points us at um, a very important point that there's a lot of work that needs to be done to create visibility. Because, yeah, if, if my work is meeting this kind of reception, then there's a lot of amazing, incredible work by writers on the continent that the rest of the world is sleeping on. Which is why I would rather not focus on debates, on talking about, you know, what's what. You know, I would rather, you know, it's it's not just the year's best anthology that my work didn't make the cuts. My work didn't also make the cuts in um, the Africa Reason anthology. You've seen the table of contents, you know. It, it's, it's also, my work wasn't also included. And I'm by no means a bad writer, even if I don't think I'm the most amazing. You know, <laughs> so that, that should... Yeah, that should tell you that there's, there's, there's a lot that needs to be seen on the continent. So I, I, I really wish, the, yeah, the, the speculative fiction would look, pay more attention. But before we let your novella go, the FA Ayoku, uh, the, the award that, uh, is perhaps one of the, one of the more prominent awards in the field certainly is what is now called the Otherwise Award and what for years was the Tiptree Award. For, which is given very for a specific reason, which is a story or a work of fiction that expands our understanding of of gender or, or, or gender roles, and <clears throat> that's uh, there are very specific comments about gender and uh, gender assignments and women's roles and that sort of thing in the story. Were you surprised that it ended up uh, not only in consideration but winning an award that expands our understanding of jo- of, of gender? I was definitely surprised. I mean, there's, um, I wouldn't, I would never have considered myself uh, an expert on the subject. Mm-hmm. I mainly just set out to tell the story that was true to the climate and environment I exist in. So I, I, I mean, a, a more general speculative fiction award, I might have expected more, like the, yeah, but. I definitely wasn't expecting that. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting it. So let me let me ask you: You've got the year's best speculative fiction, African, sorry, the year's best African speculative fiction, volume one, out in the world. Will there be a year's best speculative fiction, African speculative fiction, volume two? Yes, that's the that's the entire point. Yeah, it's it's a it's a series. Year's best anthologies are a series, right? Mm. The yearly thing. They're supposed to shed light on amazing works published in the previous year. So if you're doing just one volume, it's not uh it's not a success. You know, it's the you know, it's su- successfully established 
as a series. I believe that that's the entire point or the entire purpose. So yes, there definitely will be more volumes if I have my way anyway. And I guess in terms of laying out the path you're going to walk on yourself, uh, you've also got a major new anthology coming from Tor.com with Zelda Knight and Cherie Renee Thomas next year. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Can you tell us much about that? Okay. It's, uh, yeah, well, the anthology is meant to make up for the shortcomings of uh, Dominion and all the other anthologies. We I believe that uh, as much work as we did, those anthologies suffered a bit for coverage. Uh, yeah, Dominion, the yes, best. I don't believe that they were seen, they were as visible as they could have been, mainly because we lacked, um, manpower, the resources to, you know, to push it to the, yeah. to the place that it should be, you know, and I feel the same way about my, my novella as well. As well as it has done, it could have done a lot better, you know, if it's, yeah. If you got so, a stronger push. So, so I mean, if I have the right of it, I mean, Dominion uh, was published uh, when it, when it, when it, from, from Aurelia Leo, and then yes. uh, the year's best is coming out from, is it your own press, I think? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I would like to clarify. Yeah. Those those things, those, this, this name, these anthologies are hiding under a bunch of fancy names. Aurelia Leo is nothing other than Zelda Knights. It's one person, it's, you know, it's, it's a one woman show. There's mm-hmm. no, there's no team. There's literally not a team. It's essentially just her. There's no staff. There's nobody. There's just one person doing every single thing. And it's the same way with, uh, Jingbe Fola, my press. It's just, it's literally just, you know, so just to remove the fancy covering. Well, I was going to say, I guess, I mean, first of all, you, for both projects, they're remarkably good-looking pro- uh, products for a start, uh, and I mean that in the, in the best possible way. So, I, what I, what I wanted the reason for touching that was not to in any way diminish the but uh, the two books, but in fact the, the opposite to say it's actually a remarkable ev- uh, thing in different in, in very difficult circumstances and very restricted resources. And what I wanted to yes. touch on was doing Af- Africa Rising for Tor.com, who a company that I work with, an idea what they're like, must be a very very different feeling. Where you've got somebody else, another somebody else, you know, doing all that extra stuff, all those extra resources, you know, to get your book out into the world potentially. Because I mean, I know they can be extremely energetic when the time comes. Yeah, that that must feel very different. It definitely does. You know, recently I was telling Zelda um, that for the first time I want to see, I want to know what it's like to not operate on a budget. Uh huh. You know, you, well, you putting know. together a book yourself, I'd think. I mean, simply having to pay for pay for all these permissions on the speculation that you're going to actually, I guess, sell enough copies of the book to make that back. That that's the sort of thing that big professional publishers are for. With their enormously deep pockets, they can at least, you know, uh, take chances. Well, I'm, that's a joke. Of course, we know that publishers don't have deep pockets. But but nevertheless, it strikes me that doing something like the year's best African speculative fiction at this point is a courageous undertaking and a fairly risky one, and I, I, I hope it's actually uh, proving to be successful for you. Well, well um, it, it depends on what you mean by success, and yeah, it depends on what our, our um, objectives are. You see, when you, when you talk about... Um, it's, it's not... I wouldn't really say it's risky because we're not trying to... We're not trying to break it. We're oh. not trying to make profit. We're just trying to literally exist. You know, we're just trying to ensure that the work is out there. You know, profit isn't isn't the purpose at this point. You know, we're not we're not making a profit. We're not you know we're not getting paid for it. You know, because right. the amount the amount of work that we've put in to make these projects come alive, the the, the projects cannot generate enough funding to pay us back because. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been, we've been, I've been a reader, you know, we've done everything, you know, promoting, editing, even writing, you know, there's, there's, there's no way, you know, so for, for us, the purpose is for us to build something, just the very act of having the work out there, you know, it's a, it's a success, you know, being seen, being, you know, being able we- to exist. 
we should, uh, before we abandon this topic, let people know that uh, for for people at least in the United States, and I assume worldwide, the year's best African speculative fiction. I know it's available as an ebook here in the States. It's a Kindle edition. Uh, is it is it generally available around the world now? Yes, it is. We'll make sure we include a, a link to it in the show notes and everything while we put this up. Yeah. Sorry? And I said, we'll make sure we put a link to uh, to okay, the yeah, US yeah. Best African Speculative Fiction in the show notes with this, and we'd encourage everybody to order the book. It's out in the world, just as Dominion is. And Africa, Africa Risen was coming out in the, is it the end of next, late next year, I think? Yes, late next year. And it, it's really a very, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the table of contents now, which was published on Tor.com earlier on, and it's a very, I mean, you, you mentioned it's a very inclusive, almost sprawling table of contents. It seems to bring in a whole bunch of new voices that perhaps, like, I'm not as familiar with. There are names I definitely know, but there's a lot that I don't. So that seems to really, it really seems to be a next major step in the kind of things you've been doing in terms of getting it out of your own small press, getting someone else producing and distributing it and paying for it as well, and getting it the kind of uh, attention that the work deserves, you know, including your, your own work. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's an important thing. Yes, definitely. And I suppose since we're talking, I mean, Africa Risen is a book that looks like it's going to be a, a, a significant book next year. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, when it comes down to making money as a writer and making your name to some degree, it ultimately comes to novels. Are you working on novels? Is that something we might see from you in the next few years? Yes, uh, hopefully not. Um, hopefully not yes in plural. Yeah, hopefully not even that long. I'm, I mean, I'm definitely... Yeah, I'm, I definitely am. I mean, yeah, I yeah, I I grew up on um, science fiction, fantasy novels, so I definitely want to make one, so or several. So yeah, I'm definitely working on the number. And I I, yeah, I I assume sort of the the hope is that we'll see more work from a lot of the names that we've seen. In Dominion and the Year's Best African Speculative Fiction, and in we'll see an African Africa Risen as well. Yes, yeah, that's the that's the entire point. The number of um, authors in Dominion have um, put out other works on um, other platforms like uh, F and SF, uh, you know, and the number of them have even gotten agents. So yeah, we definitely, which was the entire point. We definitely be seeing a lot more from them. Yeah, and and I hope from you. But I guess for now we're sort of out beyond our hour a little bit. Is there anything else you want to touch on, Gary, before we finish up? Um, just the uh, variety of, of 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 writers in, involved in the book. I think one of the things that readers such as myself, in looking at an anthology, uh, historically going up looking at an anthology for names that are familiar. Now I find myself looking, especially at international anthologies. For names I haven't heard of, and there, there are some uh, so, some authors. Uh, Samasi, for example, has had I think uh, novellas published in the states, um, and of course some of these people were in the, the pen. But one of the exciting things about the year's best African speculative fiction is that most of the names, well, more than half of the names, are entirely new to me, and they also represent what a, a dozen different nations. Uh, because we started out by talking, is African speculative fiction one thing, or is it is it different in Kenya or Zimbabwe or Uganda than it is in Nigeria. It's way too early for a reader like myself to be able to make those distinctions. And to some extent, I don't want to because these are all individual writers. And one of the things we're learning is, you know, uh, which which writers we want to return to. This is how you build a reputation. And um, um, I, I think that um, certainly, Ogunichoe, you've got a name now that's recognized uh widely and people know to look for your work um i'm looking forward to looking forward to the work of some of the other contributors that i've never seen before but i assume you're keeping up with what they're doing yes i i, I definitely am which is uh which is what i mentioned earlier uh yeah to jonathan that a number of them have um, works coming out in some of our major pro magazines uh, mm. yeah a lot of them have agents uh have been nominated for awards, even have, you know, adaptations, possible adaptations of their works coming out. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, 
Interesting, interesting. Uh, an entire new world of science fiction and fantasy and horror for us to explore. Yeah. Well, for now, uh, Ogdenes Joffrey, thank you so much for making yeah. the time to talk to us. I want to stress to everybody that yeah. Dominion and the year's best African speculative fiction are out online, ready to buy now, and we will put links in the show notes. And we encourage everybody to, to seek the books out because they're wonderful showcases of African speculative fiction. And I hope that we'll get to talk to you again, certainly when Africa Risen comes out, uh, and maybe, you know, maybe on other occasions before. All right. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to yeah, okay. chatting. Yeah. Thanks for okay. having me here, okay. though. Okay. We'll look forward to talking to you. And 